0: Uh, It was the year my favorite song about Los Angeles came out. You know? Under the Bridge? Of course. Right. That's where I drew some blood. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, couldn't get enough. And then I remember watching footage of the Rodney King uh, beating and then the riots. And then over it, I think it was like Dateline or something, was uh, sampled Under the Bridge. So it was this weird juxtaposition right. of uh extreme social unrest insurrection and rioting, yeah. followed by po- a police brutality, and then uh
1: ballads and- about heroin addiction <laughs> yeah heroin yeah. ballads
0: because it, at least the city she knows my name
1: right yeah that that video would have been so much better if it was you running shirtless
0: uh-huh mm-hmm. I think so too i I'm, I'm uh I'm trying to do more push ups sure yeah yeah i do i do uh you know, if I could just do, like, 30 push-ups a day, mm-hmm. I think, that you know, that's it. That's all you need. Right. I'm already doing some jogging.
1: That's right. You did that, like, a uh, prison-style workout where you just used uh, whatever was around you as yeah. resistance.
0: Very, I'm motivated by prison workout videos mm-hmm. just because uh, it, it is showing the human potential to uh, transcend uh, limited surroundings and having um, no equipment around. Like, one of my favorite prison right. workout videos is a guy, and he, like, makes a rope. Uh, out of out of a, a towel, and then the other, and then his uh, cellmate pulls on the rope, mm-hmm. and then he he pulls, and so it's resistance training. Sure, and DIY resistance training. Giant biceps doing yep. that.
2: Also, that's got to be good for your lumbar. You know what I mean? Your lower back. I can imagine some lower back pain happening in prison. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I I prison isn't something I like to think about. It terrifies me. I am I scared that I might you know. Do something crazy one day and end up in jail, and then you're done. You're done. And then yeah. You have to do, like, flash mobs to work out.
0: <laughs> God, God forbid you end up in uh, in prison. You know, but uh, so many Americans are in prison, thanks to our prison industrial complex. Right. We've got more people in jail now than, uh, than the Soviet Union did at the height of the gulags.
2: Keep them off the streets. You know what I mean? I don't want them in my neighborhood.
0: So if uh, you might—yeah, as always, this is uh, Gabe Pacheco, Eat, Pray, Judge— and uh, I'm joined by my trusty co-host, Samuel Marnay. Uh, and you might hear a uh, repeat guest on third mic. It's our good friend, Andrew Harris. What's up, man?
2: Not a whole lot. Thank you very much for having me back. This, well, is, uh, this is a very good time. Welcome back. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely very honored to be back and uh, to be talking about such wonderful, <laughs> wonderful times as 1992.
0: Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 we're happy you're here too, man. Uh, 1992 was such a great year for films. Uh, Home Alone two. Oh. Uh, lost in New York.
2: Poor kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel
1: yeah, Like I, I'm starring in Home Alone five. Still still <laughs> lost in New York.
0: I wish they'd made it uh, darker. Home Alone two could have been more like Maria Full of Grace. You <laughs> know. <laughs> The like...
2: fact that he wasn't <laughs> mugged. I mean, especially New York of 1992. They really did make it look like it was cleaned up, but it, by 92, it, it wasn't really that clean yet.
0: Yeah, man. I mean, he could have he should have been snuffed in the face by like a young AJ Soprano. <laughs> I Minimum. Like that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like he, I mean, frankly, especially with as precocious as he was and, you know, I mean, like even some of his tactics, like that could have he could have ended up in the East River, I think pretty quickly.
0: Or like I, I like the idea of a young Macaulay Culkin just ending up in Alphabet City in, like, a heroin den. Just Listen, uh, yeah.
2: Given what we know about current Macaulay Culkin, that's not far off from probably what happened. It was a couple of years later, probably. I mean, he was the biggest star on the planet. He could have gotten anything he wanted. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. It
1: would have been fun to see him make the patented Home Alone uh, slap face move. <laughs> like, at a peep show. <laughs> Seeing a girl pee on stuff.
0: Oh, man. Uh We're... <laughs> We're already off the rails a minute and a half in. <laughs> Donald Trump's in that movie. Great. You know, uh, he <laughs> well, he, I think he, he really had a long game planned out because uh, so many um, movies that took place in New York City, they wanted to use some of his properties uh, for location. And uh, Donald Trump always said, yeah, that's no problem as long as uh, you let me have a cameo in the film. And so you know that was the beginning of just getting his face out there and programming little kids who were watching Home Alone 2, to he normalized himself to a whole generation of people in 92 as sort of a, a lovable landlord Yeah, in this film.
2: Gross. Uh. <laughs> Lo- lovable landlord.
0: Uh, is there such a thing as a lovable landlord? I don't think so. No.
1: <laughs> Definitely not. No.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think it's absurd that um, we live in a country where someone can hand you a, a piece of paper, A letter or just knock on your door and say, hey, you've got to be out of here in a month.
1: Or, you know, parade their pregnant daughter and be like, hey, we need the apartment.
0: (laughs) That sounds very specific, Sammy.
1: It's definitely not not specific.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, that's why uh, any listener out there, make sure that you get on a lease. Yeah. And try to get a two-year lease if possible. Because if you're doing it month to month, uh, whoever owns your building can just knock on your door and say, "Uh, my family first. Yep. All right. Yeah. Yeah. 1992, John Gotti begins his prison sentence. Right. Oh, oh,
1: poor guy. George Bush throws up on the Japanese prime minister. Yeah. eating sushi.
0: (laughs) And they came up with a name in Japan for that, for pulling a George Bush. I Hmm. think they called it a sushi moro, which is uh, when you, you, I guess you throw up your uh, sashimi (laughs) onto your date's lap.
2: So I'm guessing muru means throw up? Yeah, sure. Why not? (laughs) Wait, did he throw up into Barbara's lap or did he throw up into the prime minister's lap?
0: It was all caught on film. We can watch the YouTube clips of it. It was the prime minister. Yeah.
1: Or both, maybe. Maybe you're right. Yeah,
0: He he baby birded all over the uh, Japanese diplomats. Mm -hmm. Mama birded.
1: Either way, poor form.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you're not supposed to do that. Definitely not vomiting on foreign dignitaries. Sure. The Bushes, they have been in a lot of uh, fun viral videos like that. So we've got George Bush Sr. He's vomiting on uh, Japanese diplomats. And then uh, George Bush Jr. just gets shoes thrown at him.
2: (laughs) I wish that there were viral video like White House security footage of him choking on that pretzel. (laughs) <laughs> um remember it was very early on in his term he, he was like lying down watching TV, like football, I think, and he he choked on a pretzel and almost died.
0: Yeah, that's right. I watched the uh the uh Oliver Stone movie W where they reenact that scene. Oh that's right, yeah. Yeah. Hilarious. Then, you know
2: then we could have just really had President Cheney.
0: Hey, Heavy D's Bag of Blue Funk. That was uh, an album that came out in nineteen ninety two and a great song. I uh, nice. listened to it yesterday. I have Spotify. I, You know, before these, what I like to do is I take the year that the film came out and I listen to a Spotify playlist for the hits yeah. oh, of that time yeah. while I do some cooking, some light cooking around the house. I made some uh, a nice uh, feta and Israeli couscous salad yesterday oh, yeah. and listened to EPMD and uh, Heavy D and uh, Shanice. Boys to Men, A Little Jodeci. Did you crack a smile like Shanice? <laughs> and then uh, and then they slipped some Smells Like Teen Spirit in there, and I thought, what? This came right. out in 92? Oh, wow. I think it actually got, was released in 91. Yeah. It was it was getting heavy airplay in 92. That was, uh, remember the box? the, 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 the t- Yeah, the, the show.
1: The pay-to-play video um, uh, service that you could, you know, had when cable came out. You could watch video. But you just call in, place an order for three bucks, and you get to, you know, watch whatever video you like yeah this is the early 90s um I requested uh smells like teen spirit 43 times to the tune of like 400 bucks also the beat nuts reign of the tech (laughs) back to back those were the two songs I listened to
0: (laughs) muscle confusion Just, just
1: hemorrhaging my dad hemorrhaging uh petty cash at that point.
0: Sure. So you had his... For my eclectic musical tastes. His Amex card, and you were just... Uh... I
1: think it was just billed directly to your landline.
0: Wow. I don't think you
2: needed any sort of credit. They are like, yeah, we got you.
0: This is when you could rack up like a five, dollars $600 uh, phone bill. Yeah. Calling people long distance. Yep.
2: My mom still claims she has long distance on her phone. Like her, her landline. And I'm like, no, you don't. And she insists on calling me from her cell phone where she gets no service from her house. And I can't hear anything she says and I says, you can just call me on your on your landline it, it's better And she says, no, no, I, I it's long distance. I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> and I'm like, lady, you can and you should because I don't like talking to you on crappy cell service. You need to <laughs> you mean what you need to make your peace with that and and cough up the long distance dough.
0: Does your mom still pay for like an AOL uh, email?
2: No, but she also insists that her <laughs> basic cable doesn't have DVR. it does. Um, but she, uh, she's mad because she doesn't want to have to pay extra for it. Meanwhile, she'll pay for long distance.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That entire
2: conversation <laughs> recorded on
1: the answering machine that you forgot to stop. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't know how her answering – I don't know how landlines work anymore because I think it's a digital uh, – They don't. It's a, I think it, the, the voicemail, I think, is digital on it. I don't think that there's a box. I don't know how it works because I, I haven't had one. I don't pay for that either. Yeah. I'm not doing it.
0: I don't even know why they still have that box on forms for a home, a landline or a home line. I'm like, are you kidding me? We all just carry our own offices in our pockets. We've all seen those coverage maps. It looks like Wyoming and Montana pretty
2: much don't have service. Well, cows don't use cell phones.
1: <laughs> all right, uh, twerking kind of invented the beta version of twerking, and Sir Mix-a-Lot video baby got back, booty shaking started.
0: That's right. Yep. We're uh, shifting the paradigm out of the uh, flat-butted starlets. Thank God, into into a (laughs) world where women have curves.
2: They do have curves, and and when we get to it (laughs) later, that's confirmed. I do well because like the body types in in the movie uh, definitely are different, and I I kind of found the women to be a little bit different than you see for women in the eighties. Like, the, the paradigm did shift, um, and uh, titties got a little smaller in the movies, too.
0: And that's because we're talking about 1992's Basic Instinct today. Wow, what a movie. A film that broke all the records at Blockbuster for VHS rentals.
1: Did it really? Yeah.
2: <laughs> that makes sense, obviously.
0: Uh, Basic Instinct, uh, if, if you haven't seen it, it's a neo-noir thriller Based in San Francisco, uh, directed by Paul Verhoeven. Nice work. I love Paul Verhoeven. Yeah, yeah. This guy is—he's usually this director. Um, he's really great at painting pictures of moral ambiguity, uh, and he, all of his films have hyper violence in them and sleaze and uh, sleaze. sexuality. Gotcha. Yes, yeah, so they're very sleazy movies. Mm-hmm. And they, I mean, I—that's an aesthetic that I'm a hundred percent into. He—he's really good with practical effects as well. Um, if you're not familiar with his work, RoboCop, right? Super sleazy, super violent, yep, and uh, very tongue-in-cheek, and a great indictment of uh, corporations, you know, sort of buying urban space, and uh, <laughs> and and running the police force inefficiently. And then you've got uh, Flesh and Blood, which was a really fun medieval uh, film that he made, starring Rudger Hauer, and uh, and Starship Troopers. Oh, that's him as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah which is a movie that uh, you can either watch as a fascist and root for fascism, or you can see as a satirical critique of fascism. So he, he's always on that edge of like ambiguity, like you never know where he stands. Yeah, and no- then Total Recall. Oh, Total which Recall! Probably gave me my first uh, 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 Nocturnal Emissions came from that film. <laughs> three boobies. Fantasizing about the triple Ew. nips, three boobies that's the yeah. number one thing about that what's movie.
1: better than two boobs three <laughs> is it though yeah
0: <laughs> practical effects sure. and sleeves.
1: so that's how <laughs> sharon stone got cast in this one
0: yeah sharon stone came from total recall and then ended up in this
1: michael douglas uh, initially didn't want her cast in the, in the role he wanted somebody more known mm-hmm. so that if uh you know it would obviously be better for sales box office numbers but also because he was worried that it would be received poorly based on the uh intense sexuality of the film that he wanted somebody else to put their career at stake as well. <laughs> so he pitched uh, Demi Moore, Michelle Pfeiffer, both of whom rejected it to, you know, they didn't want to do. He got to make this movie with Demi Moore later, though,
2: when it was called proposal. Disclosure. Oh, yeah, disclosure, right? Dude,
0: yeah. let's talk about Mr. Mikey Douglas. This is uh, the second film that we've reviewed with him in it, I believe. For this is. the Eat, Pray, Judge podcast. We reviewed uh, Falling Down, also starring Michael Douglas. And this was his heyday, yep. man. I will watch any Michael Douglas movie from the 80s or 90s. It doesn't matter if the movie's bad. I'll watch it for him because he is, he is uh, the best at playing white men under siege. You know, in every movie he's in, he is sort of like a put upon um dude like falling down, he loses his job in this one. Well, then he's in fatal attraction and he's uh he's the guy being harassed and stalked by the one night stand. That's I
2: have right. to say, I was five minutes away from renting fatal attraction when I was like, "Wait, what are we watching?" <laughs> because I, the two are just very, very much conflated in my mind.
0: Yeah, he his lane is playing victimized white men, and uh, (laughs) he just high steps right into that lane. He loves it. Um, He's also in uh, Disclosure, which you brought up.
2: I that like breaking blockbuster records. I think every weekend for a year, I rented that movie.
0: Yeah, yeah. And uh, in that one, he is sexually harassed by his boss, played by a spicy and sultry alpha Demi Moore. And uh, what, what is another... There's, there's got to be more movies where he does that, but those are the ones that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, he's also uh, best as sort of playing like a morally bankrupt divorced dad, Oh, you know? He always seems like he's right on the verge of the midlife crisis or he's right in the middle of the midlife crisis, you know?
2: He, he activates that so well and I finally was able to crystallize it when watching this movie because he does this acting choice, I think in every movie I've ever seen him in, where if his character gets mad, he'll say the line and then shout just the last word <laughs> of the line. <laughs> and like, he, do, he does it in traffic, he does it... Um, I, uh, falling I, down? Falling down, yeah. I don't want to have any more drugs! I <laughs> 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 It's so funny. And it's like you can see him holding back like no 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 it's the last line. It's the last line, Mikey. You got this. You got this. It's the last word. Boom. Yeah, and he does it. And then he, you know, there's usually it's punctuated by like a punch in the air or a point. Like he gets very he gets very aggressive or with hard sex. <laughs> Uh, let he, me.
0: <laughs> we'll we'll get into that. Yeah, but he de- he definitely he, he plays extremes, man. He uh he, he just seems like a oh, guy my. who's got a cocaine habit and who uh, drives a 1980s sports car, like a <laughs> like a bright red Pontiac Fiero that is that's
2: the first thing that comes to mind when i think of sports cars but okay <laughs> but it fits michael douglas like if michael he's douglas weren't cruising in a,
1: in
0: a yeah. cherry red miata
2: if he, yeah if he weren't successful he definitely would still have a like a chrysler lebaron
0: convertible yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's not like it's not the highest end it's definitely like oh like he, it's he,
1: affordable it's a reasonably priced <laughs> car yeah hey
0: he's
2: He's still a Reagan Republican,
0: you know what I mean?
2: He wants to buy American, uh, keeps it conservative, but, you know, he's, he's, he's a red-blooded American man.
0: Like, he could have he had a, a jet ski dealership in another life if acting didn't work out.
2: You know, sure. I think he lives part of the time in Bermuda. He could actually have that.
0: Sure, dude. I'm, he's a part owner of Sandals. <laughs> hedonism.
1: Yeah, actually, probably hedonism.
0: Uh, he get, he gets paid to show up and hang out at Atlantis. Yeah.
2: yeah. Just hairless. He likes to keep the style very much in that 80s. Why aren't there more wispy drapes around? I want to fuck with wispy drapes. Because <laughs> every time he has sex in the movies, there's some sort of wispy drape around, and it's very, very sensuous. I just
0: love that he blamed his throat cancer on uh, eating pussy in the 80s. That's
2: the coolest way to get throat cancer, Gabe. Uh, it's funny, because there is... That happens, dude. That I'm, happens. T-
0: I'm I'm sex positive, man. It's great that somebody's out here talking about STIs and how they get contracted and the long term effects of them. <laughs> so anyway, I'm ha- I'm happy that he- it, <laughs> definitely, it definitely wasn't the cigarettes, yeah. <laughs> the forty years of cigarettes, which he uh, he uh, pl- he smokes in this film. I think right. He well, had- not at first, sure.
1: Oh, yeah, He has a relapse of, of all kinds.
0: Well, uh, we've got Sharon Stone in this movie, too.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes, we do.
0: And uh, this is seen as her breakout role, but I did some digging, and she'd been making movies since the early 80s, like yeah. 80, 81. She'd been out there grinding, so it's nice to see someone be, uh, as a late bloomer have a breakout role. Mm-hmm. Especially as a woman. Yeah, totally. Um, and I mean, then I look back at her body of work in the 80s, and she was on Remington Steel, Silver Spoons, uh she like
1: the minds of king solomon or king solomon's minds and those kinds of weird campy uh totally indiana jones rip-offs she was in one of those
0: yeah well alan yeah. quarterman is a is uh-huh. a, like a famous victorian uh, adventurer who uh, indiana jones is based on loosely um so yeah but those films did not succeed in the same way mm. the the first one that she made was i think it was king solomon's mind yeah um but those are those are kind of forgotten they
2: didn't have the star power to back them
0: yeah, yeah. No one, and also she wasn't a, like she wasn't even a star after ten years in the game. Yeah, and uh,
2: no, Total Recall is what made her kind of pop, right?
0: Right, being uh, side by side with uh, Sylvester. No wait, Arnold, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Schwarzenegger. Yeah, the governor. Yeah. Yeah. What have you been feeding no, him? Not, no, no, mostly Solvester. blondes. The other one, yes, <laughs> the Austrian one. <laughs> sure. Well, uh, it's it's cool, man. I mean, I I uh, she was a sex symbol after this, and I just I, I both don't know. Were. Uh, who oh, Michael Douglas was as well? Sure, yeah. I he think... was
2: hanging on to it by a thread. Like he's <laughs> he kind of comes off as like mid <laughs> midway through his tenure. Roger Moore as James Bond in this movie. I'm like, you're 50 and your face is grizzled, but the rest of your body is great.
0: He's. I think it's the same lane that like a Sean Connery or a Kevin Costner, uh, you know, inhabit maybe like for like my, wine moms. Yeah, love a Michael Douglas. Yeah. You know, but I, but I, I can't get in. I mean, I liked him in movies like Black Rain mm-hmm. and uh, Romancing the Stone. Mm-hmm. and War uh, of the Roses.
2: Yeah. He is one of those guys who looks like he's been 40 for the last 40. Well, he, well, he, now he's moved into clearly his 70s, but for a long time. And I think, like, people just looked older in the 80s. You know sure. what I mean? Because we say, like, Sharon Stone, like, she was, had to have been, like, 28 when um, Total Recall came out. She couldn't have been that old. You know what I mean? Like, That's a like, good question. Um, but you know, people looked older then, you know, I don't know how old Michael Douglas was when he made this movie, but he, you know, already won two Oscars by that point and had a whole series in uh, the, was it the streets of San Francisco with Carl Malden in the seventies.
0: Sure. I can't even imagine him playing like a teen or seeing a movie with like a young Michael Douglas. He just always did seem that age. Yeah. You know, Romancing the Stones, probably the youngest I'd seen him, the earliest of his films that mm-hmm. I'd seen. Him, and he was already like. Looked very, very 30s. Yes.
2: Yeah. And then, and then something happened like right around 2002 where he was like, oh, I'm an old man now. Boom.
0: done. <laughs> and uh, well, Sharon Stone went on to make other like great films after this casino. Yes. And, she was uh, great in that. She was. The Quick and the Dead. Oh, right. And, uh, she st- which is a Sam Raimi directed Western. Yep. So if you want to see like a Bugs Bunny-esque Western also starring Leonardo DiCaprio. Check was Russell
1: Crowe in that one as well.
0: He might be. There was it was a star-studded cast. Yeah. But uh, you know, it's been a little while. And then we've got uh we got a couple other uh, hard-hitting actors in this. George DeZunda? DeZunda? D'Zunda, de- de. <laughs> clearly hard-hitting. He
2: <laughs> I remember him. I've only ever seen him in one other thing and it was um Who, who is he? <laughs> he played He's Christina Gus. Applegate's yeah, Gus, who becomes a cowboy <laughs> oh, halfway right, through right, the right. movie. Um, he played, he played uh, Christina Applegate's father on her sitcom that she did after um, uh, Married with Children. That's what I remember him from.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's, he's in Deer Hunter, uh, really Crimson is. Tide, and Species 2. Not one. No. Not a recurring. No. Okay. Species 2 is a much darker film. Because Species 1 Good. follows the alien as a woman uh-huh. who's trying to breed with uh, one man.
2: Ugh, boring.
0: And then part two, they flip the, the gender, mm-hmm. and it's a male alien. Played and, by uh, George Dzundza. A male alien. A male alien. And that is just a darker, darker uh, plot line. <laughs> because... <Yes>. God... <laughs>
2: good that's good i want this i haven't seen species 2 but i know what i'm doing tonight thank you
0: yeah it's uh uh, the reason that it it kind of failed is less to do with the story which is very dark Mm. but also but also with uh its experimentation with a lot of early cgi and so i watched it recently and uh for the first time i I don't watch this movie often but uh what why (laughs) no very grim. Oh, rats. And uh, but there's but the the uh, all of the CGI work looks like early 90s screensaver. Ugh. But <laughs> there's just toasters flying through the movie. It looks bad. I mean, it looks bad. It's like vaporwave aesthetic. <laughs> so you can't I mean, it just doesn't hold up. So. Boom. Oh, Gene Triplehorn
1: first role. Was it really? Yeah, yeah her was wow. uh, per-
0: her premiere. And we've covered Debut. her already. Thanks to Mickey Blue Eyes. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so this is her second uh, appearance on the Eat, Pray, Judge podcast. Still can't believe we covered that movie. Yeah, I'm loving all these, uh, these repeats yeah. that we're getting. Good. Yeah, last week we had Esai uh, Morales That's true. making his second appearance. Mm. And uh, this week, Gene Triplehorn and Michael Douglas. So um, were there movies that you guys watched in, the, in your childhood where you freeze the frame. just to... This
1: was the first one that this... really did it for me. Disclosure, I used to do it a lot. I was, real, I was really into him being dominated by Demi Moore. Yeah. Yeah. We had rented this movie for the first time at a sleepover. And my buddy, uh, he actually asked me to shout him out on this one. Mark Jackson, to me, him, and another buddy, Lawrence, <laughs> had, a, had a sleepover where we got weed and his parents were out of town. And his sister, who was like, you know, a couple of years older, was babysitting us with her friends. And they were all partying. So we, uh, we rented Basic Instinct, because what else are you going to do with three well, I mean, third, 14-year-old boys, You were having a sleepover. You yeah. were all
2: grown up. It was time for Basic Instinct.
1: And we watched, uh, we watched that movie. So it probably took us about six hours to get through the whole film without pausing. Right. With the pausing, sorry. Uh-huh. Um, so that was, uh, that was fun. That's what you do when you're 13, I think. Yeah. Sexual awakenings with a couple I, of
2: other dudes. I was not sexually awakened when this movie came out. I was 10. Sure. Um, but you were I,
0: still in your chrysalis. Yeah, I, I really was. But,
2: <laughs> but on on my way out of it, because I will say that like watching this movie, I kept thinking, "Oh man, they actually show this stuff. Nice." Because like watching other movies of that era, when there is sex in it, they gently cut away. Not so much here, and. Um, I also kept thinking of hot shots because they they parody so much of this movie in hot shots, and I was like obsessed with um, the na- naked gun two and a half, I think I've seen probably four or five hundred times, um, and, and hot shots as well as hot shots part 2, um, which really, really <laughs> took because they were sending up movies like Basic Instinct and other movies of this time, and I like a lot of my first memories of this movie are from the parody versions of it.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I think the, f- I mean, it's interesting that this movie is known for that for like her uncrossing her legs, but that was so much less of a, uh, titillating thing for me than, uh, I don't know, like Kentucky fried movie oh, where
1: Catholic school girls rule, which wow. is like
0: 10 years earlier and just like big old titties just f- like pop up in, in, in your face and take <laughs> up the whole screen. And that to me was more, um.
2: I, I transgressive
0: I feel like than, than this
2: but not as not nowhere near as sexualized like I keep thinking of like movies where, where there is excessive uh, today mm-hmm. and like <laughs> the opening scene of Carrie it's just a bunch of high school girls in the shower you know what I mean a lot of today. a lot of inappropriate today mm-hmm. but in the 70s that today was okay Um, but like, this was like, this was a very, this was a much more sexualized version of naked bodies than, um, sure. I think other nudity you had seen previously in movies. Yeah. A lot of nipple
1: play. Mouth to nip, which you don't really see very often. In this. This was like a high budget Skinamax movie. Or kind of like The Shining with titties with all the overhead car shots,
2: car driving on cliff scenes. It was like a Hitchcockian French psychosexual drama Skinamax, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. so uh, for anybody that, <laughs> that, that uh, uh, hasn't seen this movie, we are in San Francisco and we're following homicide detective mm-hmm. Nick Curran, played by Michael Douglas, as he investigates the murder of a retired rock star, Johnny Boz, who's been brutally stabbed to death with an ice pick during sex by a mysterious blonde woman. By the way, this synopsis is from Wikipedia, so if anybody out there is thinking that I'm... Uh, handwriting yeah <laughs> <laughs> or uh or in i am in fact stealing someone else's words right now and sure. saying them kind of like joe biden did when he uh first uh campaigned to be president um Shots cribbing other people's speeches yep all right so here we go Me <laughs> thank, just for, following... thank you for
2: citing your work <laughs> that's really not you should post the bibliography in the uh, in the notes when you post the episode <laughs>
0: Yes, so uh, this guy, John Boz, he gets stabbed to death, and uh, it's, it's, a, it's a brutal murder, uh, and the only suspect is Boz's bisexual girlfriend, crime novelist, Catherine Tremell, who is played by our good friend, Miss Sharon Stone. And uh, it's concluded that either Catherine is the murderer or someone is attempting to frame her. Uh, because she wrote a crime novel that mirrors this crime exactly. And uh, Catherine is uncooperative and taunting during an investigation, smoking and exposing herself during her interrogation. She has an alibi. She passes a lie detector test. Uh, and But Nick uh, discovers that Catherine has a history of befriending murderers, including her girlfriend, Roxy, who killed her two younger brothers. On impulse when she was sixteen and Hazel Dopkins who killed her husband and children for no apparent reason. Yeah. So let's talk yeah. there's
1: a there was a solid amount of backlash from the uh, LGBTQ community before it was ever referred to, is that uh, because the you know, the gay characters in this film were portrayed as horrible people. So yeah. Yeah. picket lines everywhere in San Francisco and around the country, uh, outside protesting this film.
0: Sure. So, how? Uh, what a weird um, pick that we've made during Pride Month. <laughs> uh, so, you know, because we covered uh, the Birdcage, which we was did. celebrated by the LGBTQ community. Right. And now we are uh, covering Basic Instinct, which has LGBTQ characters, but... Um, not in a good light. Not in a good light. But you know well, what? I, you know, it's funny because, like... People are bad. Because she's, <laughs> she's
2: barely... Okay. She's <laughs> first of all, she's barely bisexual, and wow, the, no, who no, no, are you to judge. I because l-
0: levels of bisexuality. Andrew, I'm seriously. judging. I'm
2: judging hers because she was clearly into <laughs> women who just looked like herself, um, and her
1: textbook narcissist.
2: Yeah, yeah. While sex is not incidental in this movie at all, sexuality is. Um, you know what I mean? Like it the. It wasn't, in watching it, it, maybe this, I'm just watching it through a very 2019 lens. Her bisexuality was like nothing. I was like, okay. You know uh, what I mean? Like, and that it's, it's interesting that I can understand that reaction because there wasn't a lot of LGBTQIA representation in movies at that time. And if there were, they were usually like clowns and it was very offensive. Um But uh this was, it wasn't that part of this person that made them the villain. I don't know.
0: That's right. I, I agree with you. Her sexuality was... She used her sexuality as a weapon, but I, but I would define her by today's standards as like a uh, pansexual. Yeah. A sapiosexual. Mm. Or because she is only attracted to murderers, how about a psychosexual? It a sociopath a, sexual.
2: I did call it a psychosexual drama just a moment ago.
0: Oh, yes, you did. So... Uh, she is, yeah, man, she's using her sex as a weapon and I don't know if she really likes anybody or is capable of, of, uh, I mean, I, yeah, she Are has sex with everybody, to, but
2: I mean, she's, her character's very confusing and they use her to like throw, throw us down. You know what I mean? It gets very confusing. Like from the minute you meet her, you're like, what, what is your deal, ma'am? It's just, you know what I mean? Like do what, cause we don't know truly, I don't think ever her motivations, right?
0: And this goes back to, like, Verhoeven's um, directing style in – at least when I watch movies like Flesh and Blood, in every scene, there's a character who is a hero of that scene. And then the next scene, you see that character do something that's morally uh, incongruous with what what we now know them to be. Oh, that's interesting. So so it's like, oh, is this guy the hero? Oh, no, this guy's a shitbag. Oh, no, he's the hero. Oh, he's, like, a liar. Oh, he's a coward. So you go through this whole spectrum of um, you're being manipulated as the audience by Verhoeven, and with it, this film feels like a more clear distillation of that. Where, you know, we already—it's like, who cares? It on it on the plot doesn't matter in this movie. Like nope. whether or not she's the killer. Nope. It's more just that every scene is this cat and mouse playing with, um, is she? Isn't she? Is she? Isn't she? Who's bad? Who's good? And like we get to Nick, when when the movie starts, I think, oh, Nick is going to be the hero. Because he's, uh... but then going back to the synopsis for a second, Nick uh, has accidentally shot two tourists while high on cocaine (laughs) on an undercover assignment. And now he has mandatory counseling sessions.
1: How is he still on the force?
0: Right.
2: (laughs) We, I, I would movies. like to at some point discuss the way the police function in this movie because it's absurd. <laughs> How are any of them still on the force? How is he able <laughs> this to <movie's> see bad. <laughs> no, because yes, it does it does a very good job <laughs> of throwing you off, but it does no job puts no work in whatsoever of like rooting it in a why. You know what I mean like right. there's no there is no point of view of perspective for Sharon Stone's character and it makes it it's like maddening because you're like why why is why is she running from him why uh, Well there's
0: some nihilism to this film because yep. there I mean uh, I don't know if that's like what every noir is supposed to be like but you know when the LGBTQ community got upset that there's negative portrayals of bisexuals and lesbians in this it's like Every human in this movie is a piece of shit.
2: Yeah, did the cop community get upset that cops are portrayed as fucking ridiculous, like tongue-wagging dopes? Yeah, nah, like. They're used to it. Oh <laughs> man,
0: yeah, like all of the male cops in this are you, like you just said it—they're idiot. They're like dogs that have a ball thrown in front of them, and they're like, "What ball?" Like, yeah. and then like <laughs> squirrel? Like, <laughs> what
2: ball and squirrel?
0: <laughs> yeah, how do I? Where <laughs> am I going? Like,
2: SF SF does not come off well in this movie. <laughs>
0: Not not even in the slightest, and then and then like uh, by 2019 standards, uh, Nick has killed not one but two uh, tourists. Well, that and I mean, what does that mean? Foreigners? It's How- same. Uh, you
2: know, <laughs> tourists get on your nerves. I think it's fine. I
0: think it's absurd that they bring up the fact that they're tourists. Though it's like I'm just imagining two people in Mickey Mouse shirts with like bright pink fanny packs on from Japan. And they're like taking photos somewhere near where uh, a drug deal is going to happen.
1: It's probably San Francisco PD code for black kids with water guns.
0: <laughs> you know, <laughs> tourists. <laughs> uh, yep, and um, and
2: how long ago was this? Because I couldn't figure it out. What did he shoot these tourists? Because um, like he's in the counseling now, but he's still clearly on the force, and it's still. Like in the newspapers, like I believe it's recent newspaper clippings of him. Like, oh, cop exonerated of murdering. I
0: tourists. think uh, I don't know why, but I'm going to put it down as two years ago this happened. And uh, he he has four uh, murders under his belt. So he, he shot he's shot four times, and uh, the, and his nickname his derisive nickname on the force is shooter. So the, it, it's crazy. Their union is so good to keep him on board.
2: Well. And, and IA, Internal Affairs, who looms, who looms very large in this movie, they send him to counseling. And he, he has to go to counseling to, if like, an ex-lover? like Dr.
0: That... Beth Gardner, played by Gene Triplehorn.
2: Yeah. I, I was like, wait, you do have a sexual history? I don't, I don't think you're allowed to go to a therapist who you fucked.
0: That's right. And, uh... But why?
2: Well, it, it's frowned upon. Conflict of
1: interest,
0: maybe? And we'll bring it up. Uh, I don't care. Like, who cares about sequence in this movie? But this character, Dr. Nobody Beth did. Gardner, <laughs> she is also uh, mentally unstable. We find out later that she went to college with uh, with uh, Catherine, Catherine Tremell yep. and was obsessed with her and actually ended up institutionalized. So the idea that this institutionalized, insane young woman was then later... Able to become a psychologist? For the police.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, she had done the work. She was in school for psychology. That's how she knew Catherine. I mean, she like, also
1: has on-the-job training. Yeah.
0: <laughs> right. I know what it's like to get Thorazine. <laughs>
1: oh, my God. I hide breakfast cake under my bed.
0: Yeah, sure. man. I mean, there should be things that disqualify you from the job, you know, in the same way that yep, shooting for people. Sure. Yeah. And being institutionalized to me are both things that should keep you from disemployment. For being
2: a psychologist or being a cop. That's right, or being a cop
0: psychologist.
2: <laughs> yeah, maybe I don't know. Maybe the SFPD is just colorblind and they can't see big giant red flags. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's all shades of gray yeah. flags.
2: Well, it's a noir, so yeah, that
0: mm-hmm. makes sense. Ooh, there we go. And uh, and then there's Gus, who is is part his partner. Our, our man, uh, Michael Douglas's partner in this. And Gus, at first, this is another one of those ambiguous character flips where, at first, I thought, okay, he's, he's the well intentioned, uh, good buddy cop partner. But as the film progresses, we see him, he's like really in. I don't know, like, he, he's also a sleazy dude.
2: Is he sleazy or is he just pathetic? Like he wants to get laid and is also at the only cowboy bar in San Francisco where straight people go. I was like gonna say the only <laughs> straight cowboy bar. I, I was like, oh, there's women here, but I don't understand what this bar is in this place. <laughs> it really bothered me because halfway through the movie, he just becomes this more cowboyish type of character that he had not been in the first half of the movie, and I found it very jarring.
0: Yeah that that is that is true, um, and. I- <laughs> I can't remember at what moment he has that that turn. I think it's when we see him in the... Cowboy bar. In the
2: cowboy bar. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so much,
1: so many twists.
0: There there are, uh, yeah, yeah. But honestly, from the first scene, I I think, well, she's got to be the killer because that's definitely her body, right? Right. She's the one who's having sex.
2: Well, okay, (laughs) <laughs> shebecause cuz you're you're you are thrown off the scent a little bit because of her her girlfriend Roxy who looks almost identical to her and like it was cuz when yeah you're not you're not sure because they don't show her face in that first uh sex scene in that amazing room yeah you know it's very it's you know it's obscured by her hair and her grinding and all sorts of things <laughs> <laughs>
0: And uh, and then they're like, I don't know, was there DNA testing at this point? No. You know, 92?
2: No, DNA testing was invented for the O.J. Simpson case, which was about two or three years later.
0: Oh, right, and people on that jury were still like, I don't know what... Oh, what? No, didn't,
2: they didn't care for it. We're not fans. No. Angelina's of the mid-90s were very similar to um, uh, 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 about um, DNA testing as they were about public transportation. They were not for it.
0: Yeah. No, yuck
2: yeah Ugh, easier place i'm gonna sit in traffic thank you
0: and uh yeah well we meet katherine trammell like at this uh, at her place with uh, roxy and then we're like okay great so now we've got this unhinged quiet um girlfriend who might be the killer and uh then we we it, and then we see katherine uh, trammell on the beach and she's flicking cigarette butts into the ocean and uh, that, that really caught my attention, too. Yeah? Yeah, just like... Re-
2: that was the worst move <laughs> in this movie. Well, I just like... Ro- Roxy's like, you're not looking for me. You're looking for Catherine. She's at the beach house. And then they drive what is conservatively an hour drive outside of San Francisco oh, Yes, uh, to the beach house where you don't see a beach at this beach house until mm, 90 minutes into this movie. Um, <laughs> like, wait, where's the beach? I don't, <laughs> I don't see it. And yeah, that's when you meet batshit crazy Sharon
0: Stone. So open and frank discussing sex, she's all relaxed and calm, just lounging, and uh, she doesn't show any shock that uh, that Boz is dead. Which is, you know, um, it's not so much suspicious as that it's like, do you have like a, are you on the spectrum? Like, what's you're showing no affect to the fact that your loved one. Or someone that you're having sex with has been murdered,
2: and and furthermore, the, the, something that, that was really throwing me off during that when we first meet her is like she's so confident, you know what I mean? She's like, "Oh, you're here, yeah, he's dead," and you're like, "It was, it it was jar, it was just, it didn't feel real to me, you know what I mean? Like the reactions that one would have if the police show up and someone close to you were murdered, she doesn't, she doesn't do that at all, which is you know how it's intended to be, but it. And it does throw you off, but at a certain point, it just seemed like she was more just trying to be edgy for its own sake rather than having anything behind it.
0: So yeah, Sharon Stone's character in this uh, writes novels based on crimes that are real I guess, that, that that have happened, uh, but she writes she writes the books before the crimes actually happen. <laughs> Well, because
2: she's, remember, she's a world class psychologist because she got her bachelor's in psychology. Yeah. They, they make a point of reminding everybody she has a bachelor's in psychology. So she's a genius. At one point, Gene Triplehorn calls her a genius. She's evil. She's a genius. And we're led to believe that like, she's manipulating events because she knows psychology so well with an undergraduate
0: degree. Uh, she's an orphan. And she has a hundred and ten million dollars. Yeah, she does. Because her her parents uh, mysteriously died. So, all right. Those are, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's uh, she can't be tied to any of these. Her first husband, a boxer, also Manny m- Vasquez, mysteriously died. Uh, her guidance counselor mysteriously died. So, I mean, this is like Dexter season four, well, maybe, where, like, how many people around you can die before everyone realizes you're the common?
2: Yeah. Well, you know? remember, Manny Vasquez died in the ring. He died, sure. he died fighting, you know, so that, was, that couldn't have been her. Right. So, right. They actually said that unless she
1: wore an afro and uh, put shoe polish on her face.
0: Wow. Which was a, <laughs> That's
1: not what they said. It's 100% what they said. Is it really? Yeah. They're like, unless she. Yeah.
0: That's just crisp writing. Yeah.
1: Wow. (laughs) So. Or just a poor. uh, Wow, wow,
2: wow. Poorly tasted joke.
0: But she could have drugged him before he went in the ring. You know? Sure. Or shook his head up.
2: (laughs) But she has a very specific way of killing or not killing people. You mean with an ice pick? (laughs) Who the fuck uses an ice pick to pick ice? Also.
0: (laughs) I've never seen an ice pick in real life. I've never seen.
2: I've never seen people create ice for drinks like that in real life, where you just put a sloppy block of ice on a counter. On mash, a counter with no pad, yeah, like nothing. With nothing. Yeah. Just <laughs> mash at it and throw some, some ice shards in the glass. This
1: margarita needs more ice. <laughs> I like it raw. No, 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 no. A, no. Pla- a, a plain countertop he and does, an ice pick? He I doesn't do. drink
2: margaritas, he drinks blackjacks, yeah. which are disgusting. What, what is, is a blackjack? I looked it up. Please. Ah. It is, um, it's, uh, scotch. Kahlua, Triple Sec, and lemon juice.
0: Whoa. That's gross. The best part of that is the Kahlua.
2: Yeah. And he orders it at a cop bar. Yeah.
0: I thought he ordered two. Yeah, that's crazy. I thought that he just ordered like a double. Uh, Black Jack, Jack, Daniels.
1: Jack Daniels. Yeah, I thought
2: John, Johnny Walker Black is what I thought. And right. Then... Black Jack is Jack Daniels, I would have guessed. But no, wrong. Well, he gives her Jack Daniels later in his shit He was drinking apartment. Jack Daniels at
1: one point. Yeah. When he made his own ice. <laughs>
2: And yeah. she has to, she, it, the roles reverse a little bit because she gets behind him and is like, here, let me show you. Mash, 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 mash. It's like, he doesn't need to learn how to crack ice.
0: <laughs> Look, this movie is a great movie to show people if they're like, what is uh, self-destructive addictive behavior in a nutshell? Right. And yeah. it's like, oh, just watch Basic Instinct because it is this. It is our main, char- our main character, the detective who uh, should not be drinking. And should know immediately that she is the murderer, but then still decides, you know what? Yes, logically I know these things, but I cannot help but sleep with her, and well, also hand me a double blackjack.
2: Is that not the basic instinct? Like the whole <laughs> the whole time through this movie, I was like, oh, sex is the basic instinct, and now only now I'm like, is it murder? No, it's sex. Sex is, and because you're like, oh, is he is he playing a game with her too? Like. In this cat and mouse, is he really attracted to her, or is he just like playing her to get to the truth? And then when they have sex, you're like, well, obviously there's an attraction there because they have really good sex. Like I was impressed by the sex.
0: Sure, you were giving it like high numbers. I was because
2: I liked the way it all started. They started it good, and the the initial groping I really liked. Mm -hmm. um, I was like, that's real. That's you know what I mean. That's a good grope, Um, and it's consensual with Sharon Stone. Um, I
0: heard that they didn't like each other on set. I Charmstone it. like it did, was totally off put by Michael Douglas and it, it plays.
2: But I also I think the Probably last good for the, yeah. the second to last oh, sex chemistry. scene between them yeah. I was thinking, Oh, I bet they practiced. Like, you know you know what I mean?
1: It actually took them five days to film it. Five days to film that sex scene, probably because they were both uncomfortable around each other. were comfortable enough to make it work. They were well, they, also wearing genital pads. They do because...
2: things. They do things in that movie. Like, I mean, you, you know, he was he was getting throat cancer in one of the scenes, um, and it was like he, he does such a bad euphemism for us. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, he said it, not me. That? That's that's my, in yeah. Michael Douglas's own what words. What if he's
0: like, I got, I got throat cancer on the set of Basic <laughs> Yell
2: Yo, you about that throat cancer, life. Uh, I mean, gross. I want to go down on you. So, uh I mean, they smoke enough cigarettes in this movie. I wouldn't be surprised. If well, now
0: they've got well. intimacy coaches now on the set of uh films. Crazy. They've got people that help uh navigate, you know, boundaries and consent when you're doing love scenes. And that, I don't think that existed at this time. No. In uh 1990s Hollywood.
1: No. They were no. wrapped up in uh pads to avoid what they called the AIDS epidemic.
2: But and, were they? I mean, like... Cause no, you, no, yeah, they, they cause were. Because you definitely see... um you definitely there's one shot of pin. Uh, he's like on top of her, and it's like dangling down. And her like her boobs are out for thirty percent of the movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? True. And like they they do some clever trickery. Like they shaved. <laughs> I'm just coming off this dirt. They shaved obviously her upper uh, muff region. Um, so like when the the famous scene where the legs open, uh, you think you're seeing a little little bit of beef, but you're in fact not. You're just seeing some. Some, it's not FUPA. What's it if it's Fit? Yeah, Fit Upper Pussy Area. FUPA.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that fit she part. said, you know, I I think uh, that the lore around this is probably, they all came to a consensus of how they would talk about it for promotion. But uh, she says that she was wearing white, underwear and then she was going to uncross her legs and then verhoeven said hey you know the light is bouncing off the white of the panties so you're gonna have to take those off for us to be able to catch a, a clean shot without that reflection i would
1: love to hear the audio of <clears> that direction yeah i mean that just sounds you're like i need you to lose the panties
2: <laughs> too much light yeah what <laughs> just just some just do it <laughs> no no he's dutch I'm going to need you to go ahead and lose your paintings, (laughs) and then uh, we're going to beam the light off of you, and then we're going to do the uh, scene. So originally,
1: that. that wasn't in the writer's script. Uh, so that was uh, a Verhoeven improv move.
0: Yeah. Well, the writer he uh, his his whole thing was how um, the ambiguity, which is part of the film, mm-hmm. he wanted to play in the scene in the sex scenes and be like everything is dark, you can almost not see anything. What? And for Verho- yeah, and oh. Verhoeven is like, nope, everything is going to be as well lit and sleazy well-lived. as possible. Verhoeven's yeah.
1: like Booger from Revenge of the Nerds <laughs> directing this movie. <laughs> We've got Bush.
0: But I think that uh I think yeah, I think that is the right choice though to make things more well lit because <laughs> it this <laughs> I mean it's a movie, it's a visual medium. Right. Either you're That's gonna true. show it or you're yeah. not gonna show it and like it can happen off off screen, but I don't want like a murky, uh dark image. Right. What's funny
2: is like when when, when <laughs> you're Just watching air pie <laughs> when you no, but when you're watching it, you're like, Wow, everyone's really really doing this in a it's really adult of everybody, dude. You know what I mean? Like everyone was like, "Yeah, no, it's just bodies. It's fine. Let's just let's just all be adults about this." Uh, that We've
0: inter- all got him. <laughs> that interrogation scene, though. Um, Newman's oh, there. Newman, <laughs> Wayne, damn night. There's five five male cops in that room with yep. her, and uh, she's smoking. They let her smoke. Didn't even bring it up. And and uh, they're in like she keeps calling Nick by name. Yes. Yeah. Dude, if, if, if uh, you're the cop and I'm calling you by name, y- this is when you tap that cop out. And you're like, okay, we're going to bring some strangers in here now.
2: Also, no, no you let's also, just let him drive her home, guys. As, yeah, right? <laughs> as, the, as the other cops in the room, aren't you like, ma'am, please stick to the questions? Like, you're not like... Bruh. Like, their tongues are wagging on the floor. Because like, oh my god. You know, and it's real... The what looks, was he like? Oh my god. <laughs> the looks on their faces, all of them. Like, Wayne Knight is going to blow his pants any minute. You know, yeah. um, all of the other guys like, oh, wow, oh, look. And then when she crosses her legs, like, what, what, what's that? What's that on there? I've never seen one of those. And it's just, it's, which also doesn't make sense to what she was saying about Paul being like, take off your undies, we can't light it. Because there's a whole, we see her purposely, the character choose not to wear underwear, which is like, I just have to change, when she's going down into the station. Like, right. Because we see her nakedly be like, I'm just going to put on this one dress. Like, Like, we know... We know the character's not going to be wearing underwear. She knows the character's not going to be wearing underwear. So it
0: shouldn't be a shock to anybody. No. Yeah, this wasn't a magic trick. No, this was just. Who was shocked?
2: (laughs) Apparently Sharon Stone was. Yeah,
0: she. uh, Yeah, exactly. This is where you know I think that they are they're uh, rewriting the history of the scene to Mm -hmm. make her to give some scandal to the storyline. Right.
2: What's nuts is like that's. Well, Clear, they... that's the most famous scene from this movie by far. Like it's by one of the far. most it's iconic. famous
1: scenes in cinema history, honestly. Dude, yeah. you
0: watch The Sopranos and Jackie Jr takes time away from like uh from planning his robbery right to, to see, sit to down that. and watch uh this scene on and TV. It,
2: and it's it's 25 minutes in. It's like the first <laughs> act of the movie and I was like, "Oh, oh, I don't know what's going to happen now." Like I I was I was like I thought it came I would have assumed it came more towards the end,
0: dude. If I was gonna re, if like retitle this movie, I just call it a "White Woman Privilege," oh, yeah. because we know from the first moment that she's guilty. But these cops are just like, whatever. We'll give you a ride. We'll drink with you. Get naked. Is yep. It,
1: is there a term for reverse misogyny? <laughs> um,
2: misandry. Basic instinct. M- massage. No, I don't know. That was a bad joke, and I'm sorry. That would be. That the
0: would term be, is misandry is, when you mis- yeah, hate yeah, when you right. hate guys, but. You know. (laughs) Gay guys and lesbians. (laughs) Well. (sighs) Um.
2: (laughs) Misandry.
0: That's Uh, good.
2: I like it. So much hype. So much hype.
1: So such an overrated film. I mean, it's such a mediocre plot line. So basically they introduce the killer right off the bat. Everyone knows. Sort of what's going on. And then they just try to throw in plot twists and dark, brooding backstories for these characters to keep you guessing. And...
2: and she treats the cops like shit, doesn't answer their questions, and is, for all intents and purposes, a hostile witness. And they're like, cool, go home. Yeah. It's yeah, just you... a vehicle
1: to sell rough sex and murder.
2: Yeah, you didn't do it.
1: You're good.
0: And then, I, I mean, another takeaway I had from this movie is that uh, psychologists are all manipulators or crazy themselves. Have you ever so... dated the
1: daughter of a psychologist or psychiatrist? <laughs> no. I dated the daughter of both.
0: How'd that turn out?
1: Interesting. She's well-medicated human being.
0: Speaking
2: yeah. of, of um, really intense <laughs> and kind of crazy psychologists, uh, we haven't brought up Stephen Toblowski in this movie yet.
0: Not even once.
2: He's in it. Um, he's the other psychologist they bring in um, before they're going to interview um, Catherine Trammell. And he's like, "Oh, well, you got one of two options: either she, you know, wrote the book, but she'll say it's, you know, how could I have murdered someone if I wrote the book about it? Or someone's obsessed with her and wants to kill her." And then he get, hes like—he is the most passionate person about these murders in the whole movie, and he's only in it for the one scene. Yeah. Um, and he's like, "Oh, she's evil." He's never met her. Um, he just knows the details of the murder and what's in the book. He's also, the only
1: person with a moral compass. They had to throw it in there at some point.
0: Yeah, for 30 seconds. And they got
1: rid of it real fast. They're like, hey, yeah, shut up.
2: Uh,
0: You're also, too into this.
1: Yeah, why don't you go, go buy some Girl Scout cookies there?
0: Writing Cats the book America. is not an alibi. An alibi is, is geotagging where you were with a timestamp. It's
1: effectively an admission of
2: guilt. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. But they like. Why right. Would I, why would
2: I write this book about how I'm going to murder somebody and, and then murder just murder somebody, somebody just like that's that? Just, that's so stupid. And I'm a smart. I
0: have a bachelor's degree. Remember? Yeah. I
2: make my own ice. Remember my bachelor's degree?
0: I mean, well, this is also like uh, <laughs> you listen. To... <laughs> All sorts of serial killers love going to court to like hear <laughs> the testimony about how about the things they did. Like Ted Bundy was right. like. Yeah, could you uh, read me the transcripts again about what happened to that woman I definitely didn't kill?
2: Listen, you've got to take pride <laughs> in your work.
0: It's like, why are you smiling throughout whole the whole, uh, the whole uh, retelling of what happened? Oh, no, no reason. <laughs> or uh, O.J. Simpson's "If I did it.":
2: Oh my God.
1: You know: If I did it, what a great. What a great <laughs> title.: <laughs> I'm not saying I did, but just maybe if I did.
0: Oh, Sharon Stone is like the, the white wine Hannibal Lecter in this, where she, uh, that character, Catherine Tremell, you know, it, if you watch Silence of the Lambs that came out at the same time, mm-hmm. you know, Hannibal Lecter doesn't do a lot of the killing. He, he always gets like a weaker-willed um, serial killer to, to do the crimes. And in the same way, it's like, I don't know how many of these crimes Catherine Trammell actually committed. Did she have Roxy commit some of them? Well, Did that... she have her psychologist do some of this?
2: We're led to believe that she is using her mental powers of persuasion so much that she can convince people into doing whatever she wants. She's
0: like Mr. Glass.
2: Yes. <laughs> or the Glimmer Man.
0: <laughs> Which I think we're going to have to review the on ice truck,
2: the Ice Truck Killer.
1: Yeah. That's just Mr. Ah.
2: Freeze. That's, again, that's Schwarzenegger again. They should No, that. that was a Dexter reference. I know. Oh. I didn't um. watch Dexter, though, so I'm sorry.
0: It's okay. I didn't really watch this movie. <laughs> So uh, is there, are there any other scenes that you guys really enjoyed in this film? Um,
2: I, well, I've, thought, <laughs> I've, I've talked about all the sex scenes. Uh, oh, well, yeah, no, I haven't talked about all of them. I don't know that I enjoyed this scene. It actually really bothered me. Um, but uh, going from the bar, the cop bar where he orders the blackjack. So he, uh, Nick Curran, was that his name? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I was a little drunk. Um, they, he gets into a fight with, uh, with his psychologist, the one who we later find out is obsessed with Catherine Trammell. Then they go back to his place and he straight up rapes her. Um, while there's
1: uncomfortable too,
2: while there is an aerobics class going on behind them. Um, and every time we're in her apartment, there's this like Tai Chi aerobics class happening in the background, which was hilarious. Um, but he, he does, he, she said no several times. He went in for it. Boom. And I was like, whoa. Um, they, I don't know. Maybe, yes, it did. It did bother me a little bit to to watch it. And then they're like kind of fine with it afterwards. Like it, it, it was sort of passed off as like consensual rough sex, but it wasn't consensual. And it was interesting to me. I was like, why what? Why is she like whatever? You know, like she didn't seem to mind that much afterwards. They're, they seemed to be very passionately into it once he was inside of her. Which yes. Which you clearly see when that happens. Um, and yeah, it's then, like everything just stops. She's like, "Oh, okay, yeah." She's like, cool. mm, "Fine, uh, I guess this is what I wanted after all." Um, so fucking
0: yeah. weird. Sort of like backwards rationalizing it. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, that's a crazy scene. It's um, very problematic in 2019, and probably very problematic in 2000 in 1992 when it came out. Yeah. You know, I like I. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I can't. I it, And it just makes you hate the character. You're like, Nick is just a piece of trash. Yeah. He's a criminal. He murders people. He's a rapist. Well,
2: he murders tourists. I, I he feel murders like tourists. It's, it's a different so thing. Yeah. Not people. <laughs> but
1: is it murder if he was a cop and on cocaine? <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. And and, uh, and why, so, you know, it's like, why is he attracted to uh, Sharon Stone's character? Uh, she is attract she attracts all of these other um killers to her like moths to a flame and so of it's natural that he would also be attracted to her because he is he is bad she sees she sees his darkness you know and how long has she been stalking him because he shows up to to her apartment or her house. And she's got all of these newspaper clippings. Yeah,
2: I think it's she read the clippings like, oh, he killed somebody. Cool. This is my new book. I have to set circumstances in motion where I will meet him.
0: Yeah, because the whole film feels like it takes place over the course of a few days. But after their torrid Love Affair, she says, I've, I've finished the book about you. Yeah. You know, I, I write three pages a day. If this film takes place over five days... What, she's saying she wrote 200 pages?
2: But did you see those books, though? It did not look like... I don't think Catherine Trammell's like a good writer. Yeah, you, know, you they... find those books at like a Walgreens book. Yeah, they looked, like, they looked like smutty little novels that she just quickly wrote.
0: I think they're great books. Remember, she has a bachelor's degree in psychology. Yeah,
2: I will never forget her bachelor's From Berkeley. That's a good school.
0: It's <laughs> like, this is like
1: 1920 when people celebrate <laughs> bachelor's degrees. <laughs>
2: Just kind of bachelors. Oh, you you can go to the moon. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, I loved uh, Michael Douglas being too old and metrosexual for that dance club.
2: Oh, that was so awkward.
0: Just Michael Douglas with his hair greased back, wearing a deep V neck. Ah,
2: do you know what that that scene looked like? It looked like something out of Star Trek when, like, they go to or or some sci fi movie where. The, you know, the fish-out-of-water character walks in and it's like, this is how we recreate. Do you recreate? <laughs> Welcome to Dance Palace. What is Dance Palace? Do you guys yeah. recognize the song? No. no.
1: Hard techno. It was uh, Temple of Dreams by Messiah, which we used to listen to on acid when we were like 15 years old in my friend's basement. <laughs> so I that was good for a laugh. On cassette. What yeah, no, I CD, absolutely bro.
2: love about coming over here is that I have no, no common experiences with you guys from this time. I have no idea <laughs> any of your pop cultural references are, and I don't know what that is. <laughs> it's,
1: it's the name of the song. Acid's a drug. I understand. A basement is the bottom part of it. <laughs> <laughs> friends friends, are, are, friends p- are
2: people you share <laughs> memories with
0: <laughs> and laughs. Usually other humans. <laughs> Bipeds, at least. Yes. Mammals.
1: You find common ground and you initiate conversation. No, I shut that down years ago. Gotcha. I'm Smart. Yeah, I'm not here for that. They'll just let you down in the end. I will. I don't want to get hurt anymore.
2: <laughs> well, holy shit. <laughs> no, but what I, what I did like about the dance club scene, though, was he that he gave, he, gave us so all, many notes. He walked I them. don't know
0: why I took notes <laughs> I, on this piece of trash movie. Please the
2: never. These are, <laughs> These I,
1: are my high school I, can notes. Can we agree that this was just a bad fucking movie this time? It, well, yes. We don't need to be
2: diplomatic all the time, guys. no it is bad and it's bad because everything that we're asked to be to invest in ends up not mattering none and, of it matters and no it all matters uh, the sex matters it was good sex and I want to replicate it but I don't like people so I'm shit out of luck
1: they have stuff in Japan for you
2: they have stuff in Amsterdam for me too where Paul Weirhofen's from
0: that's right <laughs>
1: <laughs> got nominated for two Oscars the score was one which was interesting
2: mm-hmm. Sound mixing.
1: Like, yeah, it was it? editing. Sound oh, editing.
2: I don't know. <laughs>
0: Neat. Yeah, it's uh, quality assurance. You know what? I was listening to the soundtrack earlier. Were you while listening doing to some the writing? <laughs> it's mostly uh, instrumental. Yeah. So yeah, it's cool. Composition. Yeah, I just feel like I'm I'm living in a neo noir, <laughs> which know? is which is
2: why I mean it was smart <laughs> to set it in San Francisco. I'm gonna I'm gonna give this movie some points because no, it was terrible, and it took me eight hours to watch it. I went out to some bars I in mean, between, um, but like it. The Hitchcockian overtones were interesting. Um, you know, and noirs have historically been set in San Francisco for, you know, almost 100 years at this point. Um, and that's a very, I think, smart setting. I like that it was classy San Francisco, not seedy San Francisco. Um, I think that was probably mostly a choice for the aesthetics of the film. But it, uh, it made it, it sort of elevated it to not a smut film and somehow also made it extra super smutty.
0: Yeah, I liked, uh, I liked Sharon Stone as this character. I liked her acting. I'll watch Michael Douglas in, in anything. I liked, uh, I liked... He was a piece of trash character, but yeah. I also just was, you know...
2: He's, Michael Douglas is the kind of actor that he's, he's really good in that he's clearly not working too hard, and I don't mean that as a, as a dig, but uh, because he has the same sort of cadence. He never plays a character. You know what I mean? He has the same cadence. It sounds like he's always addressing like a corporate board or something. <laughs> that's why he won for Wall Street. Um, he's like, and then uh, we'll go and, and do that. All right, go get him, everybody. Like he's got that very, very, um, it's a corporate kind of a cadence, but everything else that's going on with whatever character is it is that he's playing, that's in the background and it makes watching him do his thing and then tell whatever story he's going to tell on screen very interesting. Sharon Stone, by contrast, is not that great of an actress, on and she was play, trying to play everything at once, which at one point in the movie, they do comment on like, whoa, she's fucking crazy. Um, but it, it came across, you're, you're so intrigued by why this woman is behaving so oddly, why she's given as much leeway as she is, only to find out that it doesn't matter. And it was it was that for that reason I didn't like the movie because it was a tremendous letdown I thought.
0: Yeah, I, that's why I said it's like a exercise in nihilism. It's like doesn't matter, like it's there. It's hollow. It's empty. But I, if if you don't watch it for the plot, no. and you just watch it for uh, almost like these vignettes. That's what I was like. Like I rewatched this scene on YouTube today of uh, with Amber and we're in here and we're like, dude, look at every crazy red flag. This is all you need to know is that he is coming to her place to interrogate her. And um, uh, Michael Douglas, he shows up. He, he puts his hands on the window of her house. And then immediately she pops out the door. And she's like, hey, what's up? And I'm like, whoa, red flag number one. Like, were you just waiting behind the window? And then uh, he walks in and she drops a bunch of papers down on the table. And he looks at the papers and it's all clippings of him. And his uh, killing yeah. uh, the t- the two tourists, and I'm like, that is the ne- leave immediately once you see that somebody's done that. And then she's like, hey, let's go upstairs, which is she's barefoot, that, and it's like, oh, what are we gonna go fuck? And they've met
2: twice, yeah, that right. bothered me. She's just like, let's go upstairs, like it's something that they always do.
0: Then the next step is, uh, do you want to drink? Oh, I know you don't drink, and it's in the middle of the day. Hey, let me get some ice. Pour- picks a chunk of ice up and then starts stabbing it with the murder weapon.
2: Yeah. And, uh, no, and no towel <laughs> underneath the ice. Just naked ice on the counter. Smash, smash, smash. Like, so,
0: uh, yeah, this is all good. Inherently wealthy
1: people drink uh, during the day. That's just something that happens. So do drunks. Yeah, it's all
0: crazy. No, one all, and the same. <laughs> yeah, it, it's all crazy writing. And in a, a like, I like it for that, but it, you're, you're right. There's no reason to watch this movie if you care about a storyline. And don't,
2: like, don't try to get ahead of it either. (laughs) Because every time I was like, oh, I see. They get ahead of it for you. I was wrong. No. Like, when they, when, um, because of uh, Gene Triplehorn's character, um, when they go to her apartment Mm. afterwards, they open up a kitchen drawer, (laughs) and all of the evidence is in the kitchen drawer of, like, oh, look at her. She's, oh, she stalked Sharon's own. Yeah, she did all these things. You know, these are these news clippings. Oh, she just kept them in her kitchen drawer. Well, that's that. She did it. And I was like, oh, somebody planted those there.
0: So this is like the anti-murder mystery. Yeah, like because a couple days ago I watched uh, *Murder on the Orient Express*, the Sydney, one? Sydney Lament oh, version. Very good. And uh, yeah, and you you watch that and you're like, okay, there's no way that I can. I guess I could figure it all out in hindsight. I can see how it all worked out, and it is this beautifully put together mosaic or uh, mouse trap. Yeah. With this, it <laughs> it's the anti detective uh, mystery because you don't none of it matters. None of it, man. Very little of it connects. <laughs> You're right. It is, it is just
1: vignettes. It's not bad in the sense that it's an unwatchable movie because it's watchable. It's entertaining enough. There's enough, like, crazy sex and car chases and weird deaths. But it's basically just a vehicle for those things as opposed to where, like, they try to make it this more cerebral thriller by throwing in all these plot twists to just push, you know, kind of poor dialogue, questionable writing, and sex between two hairless,
2: like, Early middle-aged adults. Their bodies looked great. Sure. Like, I was like, "Are those body doubles?" <laughs> but they weren't. So they must have had some sort of like sanding done. <laughs> <laughs> Douglas
1: I... was a, has a clause in his contract to not do full frontal.
2: <laughs> but you do see his Douglas. You do. There his was Kirk. A, his Kirk. Yeah, I think there's a, car- there, there's a character
0: in this movie that says it to the detective. Uh, he says, uh, "She got that magnum cum laude pussy that done fried your brain." Fried your, yeah, yeah. And uh, oh, I think that he was speaking about us watching this movie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> character assassination for anybody who rented this.
2: Almost makes me ashamed
0: to have a bachelor's degree. <laughs> you should. You're you're really smart. Uh. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, uh hey what so what do you guys give this movie mm, that's hard
2: um i'm gonna say three stars
0: I like that that's great i uh thank you <laughs> two ice
1: pick two ice picks zero prophylactics <laughs> i
0: uh i that's think right, that this didn't. dude this is a fun michael douglas Sharon stone movie to watch i'm gonna give this uh i'm gonna give this uh seven Pontiac fieros. You know, they look nice, but uh that car is gonna get discontinued because it's a really <laughs> shitty it's model. A, it's a don't, death don't, trap. It, it it looks pretty, but don't look under the hood. <laughs> yeah. There you go. All right
2: then uh i want to change mine then to three uh Yeah, get creative. Three blowjobs in the dance club bathroom. Too creative. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> this
0: uh this podcast episode I'm gonna have to put a little um uh, a little uh disclaimer up front and be like, Hey man, this is our uncut triple nc C seventeen yeah. Um, you know, basic instinct review. Right.
2: Do you know what his movie was um after this movie? Nope. Showgirls.
0: Ah. Haven't seen it yet.
2: Really? For yeah. Oven?
1: Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant Michael Douglas. He wasn't in Showgirls. I no. was pretty sure Falling Down was his
2: next film. I think he did Falling Down before this. No, ninety three. It wasn't was it ninety three? Yeah. Oh, interesting.
0: Alright. Well, Well, everybody, that uh, this has been our review of Basic Instinct. Uh, So happy that you are sticking with us, Um, Andrew. What? What can we? Where can we find you? Tell me a thing. Uh,
2: At the moment, you can find me on Instagram, Andrew P. Harris, two S's. Um,
1: Any shows coming up?
2: I'm trying to think. No, I literally just wrapped up a very busy period, and I'm about to go on vacation for a little while. So, good for you. Follow me on Instagram. There's good content. I promise. What's your IG? Uh, Andrew P. Harris.
0: All right. So what's your IG? Huh?
2: (laughs) It's It's Andrew P. Harris. Andrew P. Harris. Two R's, two
0: S's. So where do we find you? (laughs) On Instagram. That's nice. Uh, Well, everybody, like Andrew P. Harris on Instagram. (laughs) Follow me. Yeah, comment. Comment. That's how you uh, bump things up in the algorithm.
2: My stories are hot. Uh Uh-huh.
0: Hot takes. (laughs) You meant lit. Uh, (laughs) Hey, hey, Sammy, where can people find you, fam?
1: They can find me on this podcast every week, reviewing just a bevy of movies
0: (laughs) yeah hey this is Gabe Pacheco you can find me uh, at GabePacheco.com you can download the album Risky Behavior wherever albums are found online and uh, give us a rating and a review and five stars and comment and you know show some love we love you and uh, we'll be back next week with another movie and another guest
2: thanks guys thank you very much